0: Welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host JR and with me today I have Noah. Noah is a part of Big Banter Sports. He does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for Big Banter Sports so you might not see him on a whole lot of podcasts but we've decided to bring him up to the big leagues today. Put his face out there. Get to know even the behind the scenes crew here at Big Banter Sports. How are you doing today Noah?
1: Good JR. Thanks for having me man. You know I just like to show that even though I can uh, walk the walk maybe I can talk the talk a little bit too you know.
0: There you go. Yeah, well, I thought it was perfect because we're getting into basketball season. Obviously, we're doing one basketball show a week and basketball is so analytics driven. I just figured let's bring the analytics guy on. How about that? Absolutely. Makes sense to me. Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, hey, we have a really cool episode for you guys today. So normally my first plan was like, well, let's preview some of the games that we're going to be seeing on November 6th. Uh, that is not going to happen because all of those games are stinkers. I think like the best one is maybe Indiana versus Florida Gulf Coast. And that was just because I kind of recognized that name from playing. <laughs> Uh, March Madness on PlayStation 3 back in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so instead of doing that, what we're going to get to is we're going to get to some of these exhibition games that have been happening. Most of the big exhibition games are already over. And some of these you might not even realize have been played because sometimes they're called secret exhibition games. Uh, And so we're going to talk through a little bit of the box score. Neither me or Noah was able to go to the game, but we're going to talk through some of the box score. What did we see? What do we like? What do we not like? Uh, That kind of stuff. And it's just going to be kind of a good way to get us a flavor of the season so far, see what's going on, and we'll go from there. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you, Big Sports, BigBangerSports.com, for all of your Big Ten media needs, college football and basketball and if you're watching here on youtube please do like and subscribe we appreciate it if you're on rumble like and subscribe there as or follow i think it's follow over there uh as well we would appreciate that if you're listening on podcasts please subscribe please give us a rating we appreciate that uh help us grow this thing we are trying to get big 10 media out there the sec has just completely killed us with media there's not enough big 10 media out there so help us out let us grow this it'll be a great time all right noah you ready for this Let's run it. All right. So I have the uh, box score to pull up here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you will be able to see this. And boom, I'll even be able to put up the score here. So if you're watching later on and you want to see what exactly game we're talking about, there you go. So Noah, when you were looking through this box score a little bit, obviously we have Purdue uh, who played Arkansas in this game. Purdue did fall 77 to 81. Um, Purdue fans – I wouldn't take it too hard. Um, you know, these are exhibition games. They're not always played with the most effort, and they're not always coached like real games. So I don't want to make it sound like somebody wasn't giving their full effort, but uh, you definitely don't want to get hurt in an exhibition game. So uh, Noah, when you were looking at the box score here, what stood out to you? Honestly, what stood out
1: to me the most, I saw a video on Twitter and it was Zach Eadie just getting pushed around and then he kind of gives the final shove and he gets called for a foul. Um, And when I was looking at that and then look at the box score here and see he had five fouls in 24 minutes, our ref's going to be just a little tougher on him. You know, he's coming back. He had a huge year last year, but are they just going to be just a little tougher on him, maybe a little less lenient than last year? Um, Are we going to see Zach Eadie foul out of a few more games this year?
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even look at the fouls there. That's a really good thing to bring up. Uh of course that Purdue, they did have 17 fouls to Arkansas is what looks like 24 there. So, it doesn't look like they were favoring Arkansas, but uh you're right. That's a really good point to see. Is Zach Eadie going to be in a bit more foul trouble this year because that was like the complaint from everybody, right? No, nobody can call fouls on him or or whatever. You know, Purdue fans wouldn't like it because he was so big, he couldn't get fouls. Called on him. So uh only played twenty-four minutes. I did re- realize that. Uh so that those five fouls uh fouling out there probably had a big thing to do with that. What about these guards here for P- Purdue? Fletcher Lawyer scores fifteen in thirty-two minutes and Braden Smith scores twelve in thirty-seven minutes. What'd you think about that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, not a ton of
1: surprise there. Um, you know those dudes are gonna carry the load outside of eighty. Um, they're gonna take a ton of shots. They're gonna be the dudes that are, you know, tasked with facilitating getting that ball inside. Um, really, nothing here stood out to me. I was kind of surprised that they let uh um them play over thirty minutes a piece um specifically thirty seven minutes in an exhibition seems like a ton mm-hmm. um, especially you let into this and said that this is the time you don 't want guys to get hurt, and I feel like right. playing thirty seven minutes is the it kind of goes against that um although when you have seven turnovers, maybe you have some room for improvement, so you know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I was looking at this when I saw the minutes, uh, Braden Smith, seven turnovers in this game. Uh, that's just not what you want to see. You don't want to see Braden Smith turning it over at that clip. Uh, now you could argue maybe that happened after Zach Eady went out and maybe they had some issues there with that. But still, you want to see Braden Smith coming into their first exhibition game, taking care of the ball, doing what needs to be done in the backcourt, uh, and making those things happen because that proved to be the issue in some of their games was Braden Smith not being able to take care of the ball as well. We know the shooting is going to be there. They're both two for six, which isn't bad. You know, that's that's the first game. I'm not going to knock them for that uh, from three point. But still, th- those turnovers you, you can't you can't have that. Um, and Fletcher Lawyer only have had one. Uh, but it's definitely an interesting thing to look at there. Do you have any thoughts about the turnovers, Noah?
1: No, I mean they lost the turnover battle for sure. Um, you know, lost at twenty to fifteen. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, they had some turnover issues last year. I'm sure that something Painter's been, you know, preaching about all offseason. Playing 37 minutes, I'm sure there was some fatigue in there as well. Uh, I don't know how many of these turnovers came in the last, you know, let's say 10 minutes of game time where maybe he was just kind of getting gassed and making poor decisions with the basketball. Um, You also mentioned shooting. I want to point out Mason Gillis, three for eight, um, doing what he does, just shooting the rock. Three for eight from three, I should say. Yeah. and on top of that, Purdue out-rebounded Arkansas 42-28. to um, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to anybody, but just wanted to point out that Purdue already dominating on the boards.
0: Yeah, and of course, whenever you have Zach E.D. in there, you should dominate on the boards. Uh, even if it's only for 24 minutes, you should you should do that. Uh, one last thing I wanted to point out before we move on is uh, Ethan Morton. So Ethan Morton, I think he's one of those players on Purdue that doesn't exactly get enough recognition for what he is able to do, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but he was able to hit some big shots last year, especially from behind the three-point arc. Uh, this game, 21 minutes, zero field goals attempted, zero three-pointers attempted. One personal foul, four rebounds. That's it. Uh in 21 minutes, I know he's a defensive guy, but you have to get some kind of offensive production out of Ethan Morton if you want to have a better chance, especially if you haven't played in 21 minutes in the game. Do you have any thoughts on that, Noah?
1: No, I was about to say the same thing. If you're gonna play 21 minutes, it's hard not to find a shot attempt at some point. Um, I mean, either and you can't imagine he, you, you know, he's not seeing the other team's best defender or anything like that. You got to imagine that at some point he had an opportunity, and maybe that's just him being passive and uh, trying to get other guys shots but like you said um, we know that they got four guys that are going to score the basketball and, and Gillis, Edie, Lawyer, and Smith um, Morton might have to hit a couple shots for them. So
0: Especially to take that pressure off of them you have to be able to consider yourself a threat on the offensive end. Um, what's that NBA player that just never had any offense Tony Allen right yeah. I mean they just like just don't guard that guy because he was never going to shoot he was never going to do anything offensively yes he's a good defensive player but yeah you have to have some kind of threat on the offensive end to keep him honest so alright well let's head on over to the next one we have Ohio State play Dayton and a charity event this one was a little bit more well known I heard from some Ohio State fans that it was really really difficult to get tickets so obviously in the same state you would think oh well Ohio Ohio State fans to be able to go to this. Uh, that didn't seem to be the case. Sound like uh, Dayton kind of held the tickets a little bit, but Ohio State did come out on top, seventy-eight to seventy. Uh, this was Chris Holtman. He said he was doing this kind of for his friend, the coach over at Dayton, to help with some charity. I forget what the charity was for, uh, but uh, it says up here. Oh, saw it up there. We go thirteen thousand in attendance. That's good for a charity game, especially uh, over there at Dayton. I know they love their basketball over there. Really, really good fan base over there but let's talk about some of these Buckeyes uh, Bruce Thornton led the way with 27 minutes and I was surprised by this Dale Bonner the transfer not talked about very much 26 minutes for him so obviously Chris Holtman was kind of subbing guys in and out here but I thought that was interesting do you have any thoughts on the minutes overall here Noah no I mean I think you you said it exactly when Dale
1: Bonner transferred I mean I'm an Ohio State grad I'm a Columbus guy but I didn't expect Dale Bonner to get a ton of minutes um, but it's funny looking at his stat line. It reminds me a lot of what was it CJ Walker a couple of years ago that transferred in a little yes little dude played the point came off the bench mm. for us and came off the bench for Ohio State and did a lot of the small things and looking at what Dale Bonner's stat line is here it reminds me a little bit of looking at um, CJ Walker's stat line back when he was at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast just trying to get a little bit of a sense of this game before we got on here. And I remember t- the, uh, the, the host telling me it wasn't a big banter podcast. I forget which one, which one it was, but, uh, he was telling us and uh, he said, Dale Bonner's speed is surprising that he is just one of these guys that he can weave in and out of places and get to his spot make his basket uh and it's kind of like he gets there and you had no idea how he got there so uh, that seems to be a nice piece for Ohio State of course he was only one for six one for four from three point uh so it wasn't necessarily the best uh game in the world from that standard he was minus three in the plus minus column so uh, I wouldn't say he had an outstanding game but still 26 minutes. That, yeah. that shows that Chris Holtman wants to get this guy in there and wants to get him gelling with the other guys. you have any more thoughts on this one, Noah?
1: Yeah, I mean, so Bruce Thornton was a guy at the end of last year. I think if you had watched him play from the beginning to the end of last year, he took huge strides from beginning to end. And then you look at the box score here, and it makes you think he might be a guy that takes a huge step this year. Um, ended with 21 points. Um, looks like he drew six fouls. Um, which is pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a dude where Ohio State is going to have to rely on him and Jamison Battle, um, assuming that Roddy Gale does not you know, continue his, his Big Ten tournament dominance where he just literally made every shot he took. Um, if that is not the case, then Bruce Warren's going to have to carry the load a little bit, and it looks like um, maybe he's ready for it, which will be kind of exciting to see another young, um, exciting point guard or whatever they turn him into, maybe a shooting guard in the Big Ten. Um, it also stood out to me that the two freshmen, Scotty Middleton and Devin Royal, each got 18 minutes of play. Yeah. Um, over the last couple of years, it seems like Holtman has been able to produce freshmen and turn them into NBA draft picks. Um, saw that a couple of years ago with Malachi Branham and then last year with uh, Bryce Ensiball. So it would be exciting to see what he can do with these two guys. They're you know, both, I think, four-star guys coming in, pretty highly recruited dudes. And so, you know, exciting to see what Holtman can do here.
0: Yeah, and I think the other freshman that uh was coming in was Tayson Chapman. I think he is injured. I think he has something going on. I don't know if it's like he can't play at all or if they were just holding him out. They didn't want to risk it. Uh But I think he has something going on. But, yeah, I was also going to point out Evan Mahafee uh the Penn State transfer he was another transfer that people were kind of like what's going on here uh and then I'm listening to people talk about him in the uh, off season and people are saying look this is a guy with an NBA body this is a guy that can really turn into an NBA like player who wanted to go play for a coach who can take players with NBA bodies and turn them into something well that's been Chris Holtman these past two years with Malachi Branham, Bruce, uh, Bryce Sensiball. I almost said Bruce Sensabaugh, Bryce Sensabaugh last year. Um, uh, so, so, you know, he's obviously has some trust from the coaches to be able to play this season as well. Uh, I, I'm just really encouraged by the starting lineup here for Ohio State. Roddy Gale, Bruce Thornton, Jamison Battle, uh, Evan Mahaffey. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's in the starting lineup, but the other one would be Zed Key. Or Felix Akpara, all of them were plus ten or more. Oh, except for Roddy Gale. Sorry about that. But all of them were plus ten or more. Oh, and Felix Akpara. Uh, but Bruce Thorne, Jameson Battle, and Zed Key, all of them were plus ten or more. And and I wanna say, Dayton's not a slouch team. Dayton is not a bad, you know, mid-major team. Uh, they probably are going to win the A-10 or at least contend for it this year. Probably going to make some noise in the tournament, be one of those teams that people say, hey, this could be a team that gets an upset or does something pretty cool in it. So, uh, yeah, it's early on in the season. Ohio State should have better athletes, should have better players. But still, Dayton, not a bad competition. Uh, you have any more thoughts on this one, Noah?
1: No, I think you said everything. Um, It'll be interesting to see the minute distribution between Zed and Felix LaCara as the year goes on. But, um, you know, neither one of those dudes is going to be able to lock down Zach Eadie, so it's going to be how they can score outside of
0: those two for sure yeah that's going to be their biggest test especially I think that's uh everybody in the big Ten's biggest test is, <laughs> yeah. uh, the seven 76 Zach Eadie so all right well let's get to the next one we have Illinois man Illinois in this one I was listening to the Illini cast talk about this one and uh they were fired up uh, so Kansas of course Kansas has Hunter Dickinson uh they Kansas played this like it was a real game I mean you look at the starting lineup here 30 plus minutes for all of them except their uh El Marco who 27, but their uh, sixth man had 17 minutes. So they played this one, at least with the players, uh, like their minutes, like they were playing a real game. And then you had Illinois with, with uh Terrence Shannon Jr., 35 minutes. I got to be honest, I came away very impressed from seeing that they were able to take down Kansas in this one. I would have thought Kansas would have, you know, maybe played it a little safe and, oh, maybe that's why they won. But no, when you look at this and when you hear people talk about the game who were there, this was, this was a hard fought game. This was a lot of, a lot of bumping elbows and a lot of hard, uh, basketball, Hunter Dickinson, apparently, uh, really, I don't want to say it was a dirty play cause I didn't exactly see it, but I heard it was not a kind play <laughs> on one of the Illinois big men. Uh, so, you know, it was a, it was a hard fought game and Illinois came out on top. What'd you think of this one, Noah?
1: Yeah, I was shocked when I looked at the box score, to be totally honest, um, that wasn't until I think I saw a stat where Hunter Dickinson is now going to end his career 0-5 against Illinois.
0: Yes, I, I saw
1: that. So if you're an Illinois fan, you're, you're probably feeling pretty good about that. And maybe it's yeah. just a Hunter Dickinson Kirks. Maybe he just can't beat Illinois. Yep. Uh, maybe it's something to do with that. But yeah, Terrence Shannon, 28 points, 35 minutes. Um, I was reading up and hearing some stuff. And they said this game felt like a game in March. Mm-hmm. Um, heard the environment was great, especially for an exhibition. Um and you look at the, you know, the starting lineup for Illinois and you see the two dudes at the top, Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins. So, you knew you, you know, if you're a Big Ten fan. You knew those names already. Mm-hmm. Um, so really nothing surprising there. Um, I, you know, like, I think you said everything. They played it like it was a, a legitimate game. Everyone's playing 25, 30 minutes, um, playing hard. I thought it was a fun, fun game for an exhibition.
0: For sure, and if this is the kind of guy you can get out of Terrence Shannon Jr., I've been a little skeptical of him. I've been a little harsh on him, okay? Uh, Going back to the preview and going back to our media days episode when we were talking about who are the best players, I said, no, I don't think it's Terrence Shannon Jr., and it's not because I don't think he has the talent. It's because I don't think he has the consistency. Uh, And so, the very first game of the season, to see him go out there 28 points, 8 of 13 on shooting, 5 of 9 from 3 point land, uh, that's really, really encouraging if you're an Illinois fan, and you look at this and say just keep it going just do this and keep you know maybe not going to score nearly 30 points a game but you know be the efficient player the efficient shooter that you need to be and if Coleman Hawkins can be efficient like he was as well four of nine from the three point land uh he was 411 shooting which not great but he was two for two on his free throws and 14 points if you can get this kind of production out of your top two guys like this it will take enough heat off of the other guys that you should be able to open them up and give Them some points. Uh, Quincy Guerrero, thirteen points. Marcus Domask, eleven points. I mean, this is a kind of game where it's really, really encouraging. And I might have to rethink what I was talking about and say Illinois might be a top three team in this conference. What are your thoughts on them, Noah?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I was looking through the AP rankings again just to make sure that I I saw it right. But Illinois, I think, was twenty five. Is that what I remember seeing? And just looking at this and seeing the AP ranking, I mean um uh, obviously it's an exhibition game and you know i don't want to react too early or too quickly to anything like this um but for you to be able to go and play against a kansas team who's playing this like it is a real game and beat them by seven maybe this is a top you know 15 team in the country if not a little better than that um it'll be really exciting to see can tarrant shannon like you said can he be consistent uh, he's probably going to need to shoot a little better than 70 percent from the line um especially if he's going to get there 10 times a game but Can this Illinois team, you know, be consistent and and can Tara Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, you know, really lead the way and, and take them on a deep run, both in the Big Ten tournament and, you know, and in the big dance?
0: Yep, that's what you're going to need if you want it. Uh, Illinois, the, the question is always a little bit of guard play. You know, does Terrence Shannon Jr. have the guards around him? He can't be the only ball handler all the time. You know, you need some guards out there to do that. But, uh, judging by the turnovers here, not a lot of turnovers. Ty Rogers had three. Uh, he led the team with that. When you're, when your primary ball handler has only three turnovers, I consider that pretty good, and everybody else has less than that. So uh, Coleman Hawkins with five fouls. Do have to clean that up. You can't foul out like that. Uh, but other than that, you know, hey, I think this was a really encouraging thing for Illinois. I'm always a little skeptical of the exhibitions, like you said, but from everything I heard that this was a game that, you know, Kansas was really trying to win. This wasn't a game where their starters only played 25 minutes and they tried to get the bench out there. And this is a game that Kansas wanted to win, and it sounds like Illinois did, too, that came out on top so very yeah. very impressed with that so yeah so it, one
1: last the one last thing i would say only eight assists um yeah. that can be a little concerning um yeah. especially as the season goes on you're going to need a dude to step up you know you're going to be able to pass the rock a little bit eventually you know terrence shannon like we said is not going to average 28 a game you would expect um he could but i'd be surprised um they're going to need to average more than eight assists a game
0: yeah, and you can't go one for one ratio on assists and turnovers for your for your point guard there. Uh, three assists, three turnovers for Ty Rogers. Got to be better than that, but it was enough to win in this game. So uh, why why complain about that, right? Absolutely, it's easy <laughs> uh, to get to me now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you know the results, it's like, well, we can complain less. So. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to St. John's and Rutgers. Uh, St. John's won, of course, the new Rick Patino St. John's. Uh, They won 89 to 78 against Rutgers. Um, This was a game that I, I think it looks like Rutgers was not treating this like, you know, a real matchup. They had every single player play more than 10 minutes, it looks like. Uh, Rick Patino and his guys, their starters played most of it, and it was double overtime, so I should add that into it. Uh, but this doesn't seem like a game where uh, Rutgers and Steve Peichel were trying to do their best to win. It seems like this was more about get the guys their minutes, uh, let them play, see how they do, kind of stuff like that. Maybe grade out the team and see how they go. Uh, so like I said, you know, we do have to adjust minutes because it was double overtime, but but in this situation, I just don't know if Rutgers had the same goal going into this one as St. John's. Did you have that same thought too, Noah?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. especially as you know you look at the St. Johns starting lineup and you see all those dudes playing you know significantly more minutes in the Rutgers starting lineup. Um, I mean, you have Dennis Jenkins playing 46 minutes, Glenn Taylor Jr. playing 43 like that. you know you don't see that a lot in an exhibition. Um, obviously Rick Patino taking over the team. You know, new head coach, a lot of new guys transferring into St. John's particularly um, might have been more of a a, a a significant game to them than it was to Rutgers. Um, the one thing that did stand out to me from the Rutgers side was um, Jamichael Davis. I actually had to look up who this dude even was, to be totally honest. And when I looked him up, I think his 247 recruiting profile listed him at 155 pounds. Wow. Uh, he was a three-star <laughs> kid. I'm sure that the first thing he did at Rutgers was put on some weight. I didn't yeah. see these games, so I don't know what he looks like now. Um, but, I mean, put up 16 points, six rebounds. Um, when I saw the six boards, it's kind of when I was like, huh, how big is this guy? Um, I looked him up, and like, like I said, he was like 6'2", 155 is what he was listed on his recruiting profile. Um, but it's got to be exciting for you know Rutgers to have a dude, a freshman, come in, play 34 minutes, score 16 points. Yeah. Um You know, I think if you're Rutgers, that's maybe the one, you know, the the big positive you take out of this game.
0: Well, if you told me a freshman was going to do that, I would have thought you were talking about Gavin Griffiths. You know, he was the one that I had number five on my freshman ranking going into the season. It was kind of a hot take, but you know, I looked at it and said, "This is what Rutgers needs this year." I was looking at it more like who's going to be the most impactful, not so much who's going to be the best freshman. Uh, but I looked at it and said, "Gavin Griffiths is what this team needs," and it turned out to be true because they they were four for twenty as a team. Gavin Griffiths had three of those, three for eight from behind the arc. So. Uh, you know, they need three-point shooting. Gavin Griffiths is going to bring that. Uh, but I, I have to also say, I was impressed with Cliff Amoria. He played 37 minutes and only four fouls in 37 minutes. Uh, now, I know you, you would like for him to not get to four, but still, in an exhibition game, like I said, where they're going a whole lot harder, it sounds like, with St. John's, and they're probably going to try to get him in foul trouble, uh, you know, to only commit four fouls. I think that's good for Cliff Amoria. I think that he's improving in that area, it looks like, and I think... I think Gavin Griffiths, you know, even though this was a loss, it looks like he is the kind of player that they need coming in. So between Jamichael Davis and Gavis Griffiths, I think this is this was an encouraging setup for Rutgers. Did you think the same? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I mean, like you like we've talked about a couple times already. Not the same goal here. St. John's wins the game. Rutgers gets some some of the young guys on the court, um Griffiths and Jamichael davis, thirty four minutes apiece for their freshmen. Um Griffiths takes fifteen shots, leads the team in shots. like you said, kind of shows that he's going to probably be the guy this year for him. Um and other than that, I mean, not I don't feel like there was a ton of to take from this game. They fought. I think they were down twenty, um, is what I heard. I think they were down twenty in the first half to force
0: Yes. Forty one to twenty three at the end of the first.
1: Yeah, I think I think at one point they were down twenty two, I think, was the biggest um oh wow yeah. deficit they faced in the first half and came back to force overtime. I think you take that as a positive too. Obviously you don't want to get down twenty in the first half, but The fact that you're in an exhibition game and you don't roll over has to be taken as a positive too.
0: Well, and I also think that in this one, you know, Steve Peichel is probably really happy with this guy's coming back. And then after the first overtime, it's 8-8, you know, and that. And so they're going to the second overtime. And I think at some point, Steve Peichel is just saying, all right, you know, let's just end this thing, you know. So um, I'm not going to say that he told his players to, to not try. <laughs> That's not what I'm <laughs> accusing them of. But I think at a certain point, you're like, listen, guys, this is an exhibition game. We don't need to go into three or four <laughs> overtimes here, you know, uh, let's play the guys who need the minutes and kind of make this thing happen. And and like I said, that's kind of what it looks like here. I mean, your your lowest minute guy uh, was Antonio Cole with 11 minutes. Next up was Oscar Powell McQuist, I think I'm saying that right, with 13 minutes. So uh, even your lowest guys are still getting 10-plus minutes in yeah. this one. Uh, it's clear that Steve Peichel wasn't wasn't just playing as starters. So Yeah,
1: and everyone took a shot in this game, which like going back to the Purdue game, Ethan Morton played 21 minutes, no shots. Yeah. Everyone played, everyone took a shot in this game.
0: And I think that that's Rutgers ball, you know, I mean, Rutgers ball, they are going to share the rock. They're going to pass it around and make something happen. And everybody's going to get, get things in together. So uh, it's a well-coached team. I'm excited to see what Steve Peichel can do for the rest of the year. Uh, And and if I'm Rutgers, I'm walking away encouraged from this. Obviously I don't like the loss, but I'm walking away encouraged from this. All right. Any more thoughts?
1: No, I think that's it there.
0: All right. So we'll get to uh, Penn state and Robert Morris. Uh, uh, We have a big game. Michigan State Tennessee. We'll we'll do this one first and then we'll get to Michigan State Tennessee. Uh so Penn State Robert Morris in this one. Uh Penn State wins 68 to 58. No overtime in this one. It was played at Penn State. Only 2500 in attendance, so it's clear that they weren't uh putting this one out as a big one either. Uh but Nonetheless, Penn State, looks like they were trying to win this one. They were really doing their best to try to get their guys out there. Uh, They had three guys go for six minutes, six minutes, two minutes, and then everybody else was above ten minutes. So they were playing their starters and really trying to get them uh, their time. Ace Baldwin, the transfer from VCU, played 33 minutes. Zach Hicks played 33 minutes. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this one, Noah?
1: Um, just looking at the box score, Ray Kwandis Mitchell has to be in contention for the best name in the big (laughs) 10.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, I think that's the big takeaway here. I think we can just move on. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, uh, the
0: Um, Q is capitalized. Make sure we remember that. (laughs) Yeah. And don't forget the W. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a U. It's a W.
1: Um, no, I think when I was reading up on this game, I think I saw that, um, Robert Morris was bringing back like 10 dudes. Um, and an experienced head coach, Penn State, new head coach. Um, Pretty much everyone, you know, pretty new to the team. Um, You you know, you take the good with the bad. You only win by 10 against Robert Morris, but at the same time, you win by 10. Your best player, and ace Baldwin, goes out there, shares the Rockwell, has six assists, only has three turnovers, two to one assist to turnover ratio. That's a positive there. Um, And you know he's going to play good defense. You know, he's an 8-10 defensive player of the year. That's what he's going to do. So if you can get him to come in and do that in the Big Ten, probably going to be in a pretty good spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, your, your, first, your first game, man, you hold the opponent under 60 points. That's good. I mean, I know, like you said, it's Robert Morris. It's an exhibition game. But, um, you know, you hold your opponent under 60 points. That's what you want to do. Every single time, if you can go into a game, you can hold your opponent under 60 points. Uh, I think you consider that a good defensive performance in that one. Um, I was really impressed by Wahab. I don't know how <laughs> terrible he <with> is. <laughs> Wahab. Uh, four offensive rebounds for him. I think that is impressive. I think that's something that you like to see. He did have 10 rebounds and 15 points, so a double-double for him. You're excited to see that. This is a game, and shooting 5 for 18 18 is probably a a statistic where it's a team with low
1: expectations, and nothing really changes for me here. Um, Wahab, I don't even want to try to say his first name. I'm sure I'm going to mess it up. Um, Having 15 and 10 and only having one foul is encouraging, but I don't know what kind of size Robert Morris has to actually compete with him. Um, They might have some... Um, but again, I don't know exactly what that matchup looks like. And so I don't want to read too much into that. Um, the four offensive rebounds, like you said, kind of encouraging. Um, but when you're shooting five for 18 from three against a realistically a, a subpar Robert Morris team, 11 for 17 from the free throw lines, not great. Um, this is a team that has low expectations and I would not expect to really exceed them. They lost so much last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my bad there. I'm looking at the right one. Thanks for correcting that. Yeah, two for 10 from Zach Hicks behind the arc. Uh, Ace Baldwin did hit one for two, but, uh, yeah, this game or in uh, DeMarco done. He was two for two. So, uh, but still, like you said, five for 18. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if Penn State can, uh, find their offensive rhythm a little bit more, but they will probably most likely be the defensive team that we think they will be, uh, under new coach from VCU there. So, all right. Any more thoughts on this one, Noah?
1: No, I think if, if Penn State exceeds expectations, I'll be honest, I'd be a little surprised. They got a lot of new guys coming in, first year head coach. You yep. expect them to underperform.
0: I agree. I agree. Alright, let's get to Michigan State and Tennessee. This one was a close one. Uh, Tennessee did come out on top, 89 to 88, uh, but this one was at Michigan State. The Breslin's center, nearly 15,000 in attendance, so uh, definitely those Michigan State fans were there and cheering them on. Uh, when you look at the box score here, it looks like Tom Mizzo was trying to get a lot of different guys in there. Tyson Walker did get his with 33 minutes. Um, you, you had a few other guys with some good minutes, but nobody else got over 30. Uh, You had four of your five bench guys getting over 10 minutes, so uh, this is one. Xavier Booker only got eight minutes. That was a little surprising to me. I would have liked to see more for the freshman, but he is a bit of a project, so maybe Tom Izzo is holding out on him a little bit more, but uh, you look at this game, it looks like Tom Izzo was kind of doing the Tom Izzo thing and just kind of getting his guys in there, let them get their feet under him, and kind of evaluate the team. Do you get the same sense there No. A little
1: bit. I would have honestly, I, this is a game where I wish I, I might go back and watch it at some point. It'd be really interesting to see how he subs because Tyson Walker getting 33 minutes, Mike Hall getting 28, and Hogarth getting 27. Uh, it looks like, I mean, his starters played. Um, I'd be really interested to see the rotations, if he was playing Walker with Booker, you know what I mean? Or, he, you know, he was just giving Sissoko a quick blow or, or things like that, like what the what the actual rotations looked like here. Because um, Tyson Walker playing 33 minutes is a, is a pretty – you know, significant amount of minutes in, in a typical game. Uh, I think I saw a quote from Izzo where he said that this game felt more like marked than like any other exhibition game he coached, or maybe it was something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about two, you know, top 10 teams. Both of them looked it from what I can tell. Um, AJ Hogart is, you know, in his, what, 18th year of college at this point. Pretty much. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think he's actually like a grad assistant too. He does that on the side or something like that. Um, I mean, it feels like he's been there for as long as I can remember, but he's steady Eddie, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do and you know what he's going to provide. Um, -hmm. so is in my opinion, one of the better bigs in the big 10. And like you said, Xavier Booker, it'll be really interesting to see how they bring him along as a five-star dude coming in and, and can he contribute for them?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a worry. Like I said, only seeing eight minutes for him. Like I said, I think he is a bit more of a project. I don't think he is going to be the production guy right away, like maybe a Gavin Griffiths or uh, some of those other freshmen who are coming in, uh, McKenzie Mbako, those type of guys. But uh, he will definitely be a good player for them. Jeremy Fears Jr. did get 13 minutes, so he played a little bit. But uh, this Michigan State team definitely going to be led by A.J. Hogar and Tyson Walker. Uh, and I got to believe Tyson Walker just kept playing because of how good he was playing. I mean, 22 points five steals four assists only one turnover the guy was four for eight from three-point arc I imagine like I said I didn't see this game but I imagine probably what will happen here is Tom Izzo was probably summoning a lot of guys in and out and then he saw the end of the game and he was like let's get my guys in there and see at the end of the game if they can take on this you know kind of exhibition you know end of game kind of hot moment and see if they can take care of it uh and obviously they did it but you know if I'm a Michigan State fan I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, you coming away feeling good, feeling indifferent. How are you feeling after this one, Noah?
1: I think you're feeling a lot better about this than you are about your football season. No, um, that's <laughs> true. That's, that's why me. they
0: had so many fans at this, because they didn't want to go to the football game.
1: They might as well have just scheduled them at the same time for all they care. They might as well have just put them both on Saturday and said, hey, go to the basketball game. Our football team's going to lose anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you you leave this game feeling pretty undeterred. Um, if you started high, you're feeling, you know, the same. I think, like I said, this is the two top 10 teams. Both of them looked it. Both of them sound like they're going to be there in March. Um, the one thing I do love to see is Malik Hall with seven fouls. I love seeing these guys because in an exhibition game, you just don't foul out. Love seeing when guys take advantage of it. It's just street ball out there, you know. Foul them as many times as you want. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, I mean, you'd like to see less than that, but you're right. Uh, you know, seven fouls—that's not something you'll see pop up on the uh, the box score at any other time. But you know, 14 points, 11 rebounds—I gotta believe he was down there just battling the entire time, really trying to assert his dominance. And we know Tennessee is one of those teams where they, you know, they really battle with you and try to assert their dominance as well, especially who they were last year. So uh, it could have just been one of those games where it was really, really hard fought down in the in the box and the rest were just like guys chill you know? <laughs> we're gonna blow the whistle to help out so
1: now, uh, now if you call it gotten to 10,000 would you have ever seen a triple double that looked like that before <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: pretty much pretty much all right let's move on to the next one here uh we got two more left and these ones are a, a little uh less impactful than some of the other ones Nebraska played uh do do on do do again I'm terrible with names oh, wait can um, we look at the
1: names here real fast Oh on, okay, go back go to the. You, know, you got you got Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, it's the first name on there? And I'm sure yeah. his name is actually Cooper Sheldon, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. You got Guy <laughs> Moran. Just his name is Guy. Guy. Um, and then you got, got Richard Dukin. I mean, this team is just stacked, just on names
0: alone. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Preston Harms. Preston, what are you harming? <laughs> river Johnston. I love, I, I think that's so funny when people have the name river, I'm not making fun of it. I just, I, it's one of those names that I'm like, who first named the kid river, you know, did they have their kid near the river? Is that how it first happened? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Nebraska wins this one, 84 to 53. Looks like Fred Hoiberg, uh, was playing his guys a good amount of time. Not, you know, not playing exactly to win, but they had three guys off the bench, get over 20 minutes in there. Uh, that, the sad news coming out of this is that Tamanaga, Kasai Tamanaga, sounds like he had a pretty bad ankle injury. There was a picture going around on Twitter. Um, we don't know a timetable for that. At least maybe they've announced one, but I've not seen one for that so uh that is concerning especially going into the year with all the expectations of what he could be uh he only played eight and a half minutes so uh obviously he got injured did not go back in after that i don't think you'd want to put him back in after that anyway uh but what do you think that does to the team if he does have to miss significant time this season noah
1: i mean it's definitely gonna force someone else to step up and you look at the three guys that had 20 plus minutes off the bench and you look you know one of them has to, and it looks like in this game, Eli Rice did um, 18 points here off the bench in 23 minutes, um, seven for 14 from the field, three for seven from three. Um, you know, if, if he is going to miss, if Tominagas is, is going to miss any time or extended time, um, you're going to you need know, a lot of production to come from someone else, not only that, but a lot of minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So seeing Eli Rice go out there and and give you some of that production, finish with 18 points, or even Jeron Coleman, who had 12, Um, And he drew 5,000, didn't have any on him uh, for Coleman. I think, you know, that's something that as, you know, for Hoiber, you have to be encouraged about at least slightly that if, you know, if my guy is going to miss some time, do I have other guys that can step up? And it looks like in this game they did.
0: Yeah, I think this is Nebraska's year to to make it inside the top ten and do something uh, a little bit more special than maybe they've done in the past under Hoiberg. Now, I, I think Hoiberg's a good coach. I just, I just don't think he's hit his stride with Nebraska yet. I was thinking might he might get fired last year just because of the distaste for what was going on and everything with the football program. Fans were a little unhappy there as well, but he did kind of save his job at the end of the year uh, as well. So, and I think that was the right decision. I think Fred Hoiberg can make. This happen here. I do think Tom Inalga, like you said, you know, they need somebody to step up. I hope that is Eli Rice. It is hard to lead the team in points uh, with only 23 and a half minutes of play, uh, but obviously this guy's a scorer. This guy can get it done. He had a plus 18 on uh, on the plus minus there. He was 7 of 14, 3 for 7 from behind the arc. He led the team in three point shooting. So uh, if he can be one of those guys to, to really make it happen with his shooting and do it a good job that way. They might be looking at somebody and say, Hey, Tom go ahead, rest up, you know, maybe take some time off in the out of conference. And then when we get back to the conference, maybe we'll get you back in there. So, uh, like I said, I don't have a firm update on him. Please go research that if you want to know for sure. Uh, but, but yeah. So, any other thoughts on this one here, Noah? No, I mean, nothing crazy.
1: It looks like they shot 54% from the field. Um, mm-hmm. It's a recipe for success, but I don't know. You know, I've never even heard of Don. Never mm-hmm. mind. Um, Could I tell you? anything about the talent level so you probably should shoot 54 percent from the field if you're nebraska here uh oh, it might be like them going to play against you and i i don't know
0: yeah <laughs> there's something about doing what you're supposed to do as well right you know maybe maybe you don't look away look at it and say oh that was super impressive but they did what they were supposed to do they got it done so, exactly right <laughs> Do need to improve the three-point shooting, though. Only six for 25. Uh, do need to get better at that. So, all right, let's go to our last game. Indiana played at uh, Indianapolis, University of Indianapolis. So, um, you know, in Mike Woodson, he was playing a lot of guys in this one. Anthony Leal had 11. Peyton Sparks, their kind of backup transfer center, he got seven. Uh, Malik Renew led the way with 27 minutes. So, it was definitely an interesting one to uh to look at here. Um uh, McKinsey and Baco had twenty five minutes. So yeah, I think it was a good combination of Mike Woodson with playing his guys, but also just realized this got out of hand because they did win 74 to 52. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Noah? Um
1: uh, well the first thing that sent out to me, so Gabe Cups, does that name ring a bell at all? I don't know if you know yeah. who that kid is. Yep. Um for those of you guys that don't, I think isn't he the kid that challenged LeBron to a shooting contest a couple yep. years ago? Yes it um, was. Gosh, I mean, talk about a kid with confidence. He actually, um, he beat my alma mater in the state championship game in uh, in basketball a couple years ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was following it. I'm, I'm many years older than him, and I was following on Twitter, and I saw that, you know, Gabe Cubs was that guy. That's cool. Um, so it's kind of funny seeing his name finally show up on a box score after him, you know, absolutely just running through Ohio high school
0: basketball for the last couple years. Yeah. Um, and he was a guy that Ohio State wanted, right?
1: Yeah, but if I remember right, I think Gabe Cubs committed to Indiana like super early
0: on. Yeah, and um, I think Ohio State was trying to get him to flip because they wanted him, but I think he stayed stayed true to his Indiana commitment. Yeah, no, that sounds Obviously, right. He's there. But, yeah, yeah
1: no, I think like I said, I think he committed as like a sophomore, maybe like early junior year. And I think his commitment was always like at least around Ohio, it felt pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. he was the top kid in the state, but I don't remember ever hearing anything like, "Oh, he might flip." It was always kind of like, once he committed, he committed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of him, uh, obviously, he stands out to me. Um, you know, Kalel Ware, um, in his you know first game from Oregon, making an impact already, fourteen and six. They're going to rely on him a lot this year. Um, C N M you know, go fourteen and eight. Um, not getting in. Any foul trouble? Really, two fouls in twenty five minutes. You work with that. You can live with that. Uh, I think that's got to be encouraging. Um, and again, they shot thirty for sixty two from the field. They only took ten three pointers, which is kind of surprising to me on a team that you know probably can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something you really you know you're that concerned about. Eleven for twenty from the line is not good though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can't have that. I mean, Indiana has always, for whatever reason, not been able to hit their free throws like they should. I don't know what it is. I don't know why Mike Woodson doesn't just get them out there and make them shoot free throws until they bleed. I don't know. But uh, for whatever reason, IU, they they struggle from the free throw line and uh more evidence of it here. I mean, Kinsey Mabako, only three on six attempts, only made three on six attempts. Kalal Ware, one for two. Uh, and CJ Gunn, two for five. Just not get it done. You have to shoot from the free throw line better than that even in even in the games like this so um any more thoughts on this one Noah?
1: no i mean like kind of go. it's the same thing as a nebraska game it's hard to really write home on a game that you're not really playing anybody um they uh, did what they were supposed to um their starters did what they were supposed to um beyond that nothing crazy anything stand out to you here really
0: uh, no, I think the free throw was something I was going to point out as well. I do think that, you know, just looking at the starting lineup, Kahlil where McKenzie Mbako, Malik Renew, Xavier Johnson, this is a good starting lineup. Uh, I don't think Trey Galloway is anything super special. I think he's a good glue guy. Uh, but, you know, this is a good starting lineup, and Indiana should be able to do some good things this season. Uh, if they don't finish in the top half of the Big Ten, uh, I think it's a pretty disappointing season for them this year. You, you're going to want to see Indiana compete, Indiana play well and uh if you can be in the top half it's certainly be, at least be in the top five of the big 10 uh i think that's what you want from them this season so yeah if you're in the top uh,
1: half you can make a run i think anyone's exactly.
0: that. yeah exactly so i did see here while we're on so i if you don't know people we are recording this we are recording this monday night it'll be released tuesday night uh because of halloween so i'm still going to release it on time but uh the Live score updates of Iowa-Quincy. Uh, did you see this game? It just ended. Believe it or not, Iowa
1: playing against Quincy was not on my uh, my watch list for tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I have it here on my phone because I was just going to kind of pay attention to it. No, it looks like I won't be able to find I think
1: it. you got a score at the top, 92 Iowa-70 Quincy.
0: Where? Uh, it looks like right at the... Oh, there you go. Oh, no, this isn't the right one. Uh, okay, so on my phone... Oh, no. This is right. Okay. Oh, my phone messed up. All right. So, I'm glad I pulled this up then. Okay. Iowa 92, Quincy 70. On my phone... It said final, uh, which I don't know why it says final, uh, but it says fifty-seven to forty-three final. Ten points in the second half for Iowa. Sixteen points in the second. I was like, oh my gosh, and Iowa find a defense. Uh, <laughs> I know it's Quincy, but uh, no, looks like they're uh, same old Iowa. Ninety-two seventy, giving up over seventy points to Quincy. Uh, looks like we're gonna have probably the same Iowa team here that we normally do. Uh, get rid of some of these ads. Uh, I think Peyton Sanford. 22 minutes, uh, 13 points here. You know he's gonna he's gonna probably be their leading scorer this year. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Patrick McCaffrey's coming back. Uh, Tony Perkins is there as well. Uh, For first glance here, do you have any thoughts at all, Noah?
1: Um, my first thought is that Iowa's football team could probably use whoever the Iowa basketball team is using to facilitate their offense because they can it's not McCaffrey
0: <laughs> offensive coordinator.
1: I mean, honestly, could it get worse? Like, just, I mean, gosh, this just reminds me. My first thought was literally how bad Iowa's football, you know, offense has been, and seeing them score ninety three points with seven minutes left in this game, really just makes you think that Iowa could use some, maybe some of these guys on the football team.
0: Right. Right. All right, well, we won't investigate this too much. We didn't exactly plan to get into this, and uh, I feel bad putting you on the spot there, Noah, with uh <laughs> something you weren't <laughs> planning on looking at. So uh that's the Big Ten Huddle for you. I make my guess, try to look at... Uh, stuff that they weren't prepared for. So, all right. Uh, we, uh, in this one, uh, we had a few other exhibition games. I'll just mention them real fast. Illinois did play Ottawa from Kansas. They won 116 to 65. I didn't think that was really needed to be referenced. Michigan State beat Hillsdale 85 to 43. Again, I didn't really think that needed to be referenced, especially since they played some other teams. They uh, we, we do have a little bit more exhibition matchups coming up, but most of them are against pretty subpar opponents Northwestern versus McCandry, Purdue versus Grace, Wisconsin versus UW, Stephen Point. I mean, a lot of these teams are teams that you just don't even know about. So, oh, so what are
1: they finding these teams? <laughs> right.
0: They're probably Division two teams that they're just playing to get, get some time. So Minnesota still got one. Indiana, uh, Michigan does have one. I think that's in a few days, though. So uh, still a few more exhibitions that we won't be able to get to, but I didn't really feel like those were ones we needed to get to. So, all right, Noah, you got any more thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Um I'll make a call right now, Bruce Thornton, uh first team all big ten. Uh there we
0: go. Okay.
1: I think that's gonna be my final thought. Bruce Thornton, first team all big ten. That's my call right here.
0: All right. We'll see if it happens. See if Bruce Thornton can, uh, make the magic happen this season. Played really well in the scrimmage. So we'll see if it happens. So, all right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Uh, please do like and subscribe. Like I said, and do visit Big Banter Sports, BigBantersports.com. Uh, like I said, Noah is behind the scenes. I am JR, the host of the Big Ten Huddle. We will see you again next time.